Well, let's make our confession. This is our year of jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Say it with me. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. You may be seated. I want to start this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did eat all that spirit, the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and was destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Here we have uh, Paul identifying that the stories of the Old Testament were given to us as examples. In other words, there were things for us to learn from those Old Testament stories so that we can build our lives and not make the same mistake they made, but rather be pleasing unto God. So let's look at a couple of those examples this morning. I want to start with Numbers chapter 16. Verse 1, Now Korah the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of this of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. I wonder how many people get pulled off from famous people. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, you take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he has chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take you censors, Korah, and all his company. God has a real plan for leadership. When I say a real plan, I mean an active plan. A fruitful plan. And here we have people that were, have raised themselves up against Moses 
because he was leading just like God had for him to do, just as God had set him in place. And something else that we need to see in this is that God's power will defend those that he has placed in leadership. So verse 6, This do take you censers, Korah and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord does choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, Hear, I pray you, the sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you, that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation, to minister to them. They had a place, and their place was one of leadership, not the same measure as Moses had. But they didn't take account, proper take account, or properly take the account that God had separated them. They wanted something more. And he has brought thee near unto him, and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also. For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not go up. Notice what this attack on leadership has done. It's separated people. Folks, Proverbs says, only pride causes contention. It doesn't say pride is one of the things that causes contention. It says only pride causes contention. So anytime there's a disagreement, an issue as is spoken of here concerning the leadership, pride is the thing that stirred it up. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land? This is the, the sons of Eliab who refused to come up. Notice what their response is. They said, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us? You remember in Numbers chapter 13, it tells about how that they came to the promised land. And Moses sent 12 spies, one person from each tribe, into the promised land to check it out. To find out what the cities were like, whether there were walls around the cities and so forth, how the people were defending themselves against aggression and so forth. But notice that the sons of Eliab blamed Moses because they didn't go in. It tells us in that story in Numbers 13 that there were 10 people, 10 of the 12, that brought back an evil report of the land saying that they weren't able to take it. God being on their side and being for them wasn't enough. And it says that they lifted up their voice 
And the congregation wept all night because they believed the report of the ten spies rather than the two, Caleb and Joshua. And they forfeited their chance to go into the promised land. And here, they're blaming Moses for it. Moses had nothing to do with it. I think that's one thing that we need to be aware of when it comes to human nature. There's a lot of people that are blaming God for their unbelief, blaming God for prayers that they didn't get answers to. It's just easier to blame God than to make corrections and adjustments for yourself. And there, I think we could safely say that it's human nature to not put too much emphasis on spiritual growth. Folks, one of the most important things we can do is develop our spirit beings, the eternal part of man. But there's not too many people that will line up for that. It's a tough way to go. And most everybody wants to the path of least resistance. Verse 14, moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will, will thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Here they're expanding on their blaming of Moses. Now they're claiming to be desirous of being in the promised land and the promised land blessings when they were the ones that forfeited their opportunity to take possession of the land. And Moses was very wroth and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou the... Respect not thou their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to the Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow, and take every man his censer and put incense in them, and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, 250 censers. That 250 were the famous men in the congregation. Thou also and Aaron, each of you is censer. And they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Folks, one thing that we don't preach on very much, we don't teach on very much, but is absolutely true and 
needs to be something that we all understand. God is a good God. God is a God that blesses us. The blessing of Abraham tells us about the abundance that God bestows on us and deals with us toward physical things, material, financial, prosperity and such. But God is a God of judgment too. One of the reasons we don't preach on it too much is because when you start talking about God being the God of judgment, most of us are quickened by our own conscience as to our failings and shortcomings. And most of us are easily distracted by our own unrighteousness. But here in the Old Testament, from the people who when Moses went up into Mount Sinai and received the tablets of stone containing the Ten Commandments. These are people that are calling themselves holy and righteous before God. So he tells Moses and Aaron to separate themselves from the sons of Korah and the rest of the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. Something else I want you to notice. When God dealt with people, the children of Israel, according to their unrighteousness, according to their murmurings and so forth, he didn't send sickness and disease to deal with them. When God dealt with his people, he dealt with them instantly. He dealt with them in what the Bible usually contra uh, translates as pestilence. But that's not sickness and disease. Sickness and disease are not of God. But God being a God of righteous judgment, if he executes that judgment, it's an instant act. And the people upon whom that judgment come were killed. Not because God is a God that sometimes kills and sometimes makes alive. But rather God is a God that when he executes judgment, that judgment is swift and is complete. So he said, separate yourself from this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and wilt thou be wroth with, the, with all the congregation? And Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak ye unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. He's trying to keep them from being recipients of the judgment that God has already declared. Moses is trying to keep them from following, 
along with them into death. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby shall you know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that pertaineth unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass as he, was, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their gods, they and all they that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them. For they said, Lest the, Lord sw lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. That's the famous ones. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, that he takes up the censers out of the burning and scattereth out of the fire yonder, for they are hallowed. The censers of these sinners against them, against their own souls. Let them make them broad plates for a covering of the altar, for they offered them before the Lord. Therefore they are hallowed, and they shall be a sign unto the children of Israel. And Eleazar the high priest, took the brazen censers wherein they were burnt, had offered, and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar to be a memorial unto the children of Israel that no stranger which is not of the seed of Aaron come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he may not be as Korah and as his company as the Lord has said to him by the hand of Moses. So you've got this miraculous event where the earth opens up and swallows the enemies of, of Moses, those that have raised a charge against him, challenged his leadership out of a desire to, to be the leaders themselves, it seems. And so you would think that that would be the end of the events for that day. Verse 41, but on the morrow, apparently it's not over with, it's not done. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. One of the most miraculous things to me about Moses leading the children of Israel is he passed up a lot of good opportunities to get rid of these people. It's amazing how quickly these people, after being delivered from one thing, will step back into sin, following sin, and put their lives in danger over and over and over again. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses 
and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Verse 45, God tells Moses again, Separate yourself from this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. Again, this is oftentimes translated as sickness and disease, but that's not the plague that took place. The plague that took place was death in and of itself. And that death has begun to spread from one camp to another camp throughout the tribes of Israel. But Aaron did like Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation with his censer. And behold, the plague had begun among the people, and he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. Now, the word atonement is an Old Testament word. It really comes down to and uh, speaks to um, the covering of sin. God had instituted for Israel one day every year, and it was called the Day of Atonement. And that Day of Atonement consisted of certain spiritual offerings and activities to cover the sins of the people for a year. So this plague had begun among the people, but Aaron made an atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now, folks, if you want to know the, the character and the nature of God, which is important for us to know because God never changes. So whatever the will of God was in the examples given to us in the Old Testament, the same is the character and the nature of God today. So when God says to Moses again, that he'll execute judgment upon the people and that Moses should get away from them. Moses, without being told by God to do it, Moses sends Aaron with a censer filled with incense to spare the people. Now, what makes Moses think that God will spare the people? He's had some tremendous examples where the people were spared over and over again. Moses knows, he, he's at least learned by this point in time, he has learned that there are certain things that he has the leader of the children of Israel can do 
on the behalf or for the benefit of the children of Israel that God honors. God honored these censers of incense, even though the people that this incense was being offered for were not deserving of the results. But Moses didn't say a prayer. He didn't enlist God's aid through prayer. He just simply went forward with that which could make the atonement for the people to stop this plague, this creeping death from among the people, the tribes of Israel. Folks, this is pretty big stuff. The people weren't deserving to have their lives spared. They just dodged the bullet yesterday. And now today, early in the morning, they start up again by claiming that Moses was the executioner of the people that died. But Moses made an atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. He took that which represented an atonement for the people and it would certainly represent atonement for him too. And he stood between where the plague had reached and the plague stopped. There was nobody else that died from the plague. There was nobody else upon who judgment fell. The plague was stayed by performing a spiritual exercise or activity that God always honors even when those that offer it may not be offering it in a righteous manner. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. Not one person dies after the atonement is offered. Now the reason that atonement is an Old Testament word, it's not used in the New Testament. Now you'll, if you look up in your concordance, you'll find that there is one place where the word atonement is part of the English translation in the New Testament. But it's not the word for atonement. The New Testament tells us about Jesus and about how he performed the work of the Messiah first on the earth to show the character and the nature of God, who God is and what God will do. That word is redemption. Redemption is a ransom. It's being bought out of Captivity to the devil. Atonement doesn't do that. Atonement 
just forgive sin for one year at a time. So the redemptive work of Jesus is important to us, is of the utmost importance to us. But redemption is a once and for all sacrifice, a one-time sacrifice, a one-time payment of ransom. And that which was payment for redemption was the precious blood of Jesus. If one person had continued to die after the atonement was made, then that could have been God's righteous judgment. But his mercy, his healing mercy, could not and was not overcome even though the people that the, sacrifice, that the incense was being offered for certainly didn't deserve it. And if there's ever a case where we could identify where Israel was undeserving of the mercy of God, this has got to be it. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. beginning in verse 14. I'm sorry, beginning in verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth is light bread. That's the manna that they're talking about. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Here's one of those places where the, uh, the permissive verb is translated in the causative sense. God didn't send the fiery serpents. They've been wandering in the wilderness for years. And it is a land where there are fiery serpents. But the only time that the fiery serpents became any kind of... Um, a problem for them is when they're operating in unbelief or specifically murmuring against God and the man he put in charge who's Moses. So the murmuring enabled the fiery serpents to get into the camp. Think about the miraculous part of this. Fiery serpents were in the land. Millions of people. We don't know how many millions, but certainly it would be a significant number. The children of Israel are camping in the fiery serpents' land, but the serpents were never a problem unless they stepped out of God's commandment and started murmuring against Moses. 
the Lord sent her allowed fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Now, folks, they knew this before they ever murmured. They knew what the results of murmuring was. There had to have been somewhere where the fiery serpents were discussed or the presence of the fiery serpents were discussed. Otherwise, they wouldn't have known what they just declared. So they have full knowledge of the reality and the fact that when you murmur against God or Moses, bad things happen. You would think that would curtail some of their murmuring opportunities. But they didn't even consider it until the trouble came. So they said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he takes the serpents away from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, one of the things that we mentioned earlier about the substitutionary work or the ransom that Jesus paid for all of mankind is that Jesus identified the things that he would pay for or the action of substitution or exchange these are all words that are used in different ways in the New Testament. Exchange is talking about the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. In John chapter 3, we're all familiar with that famous verse 16. But a couple of verses before that, verse 14, Jesus is speaking to the Jews and he's talking about the love of God. And that's identified in John 3, 16, as we just mentioned. But in verse 14 of John chapter 3, Jesus says, Moses lifted the serpent of brass in the wilderness. So must also the Son of Man be lifted up from the earth. So he's saying this serpent of brass on the pole is a type or an example or a shadow of God's goodness that was fully revealed and completed when Jesus went to the cross. One of the most famous aspects or fulfillment of something that happened in the Old Testament that is given to us as an example is the Passover. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, Even Christ is our Passover and is sacrificed for us. We know the story of the Passover. It's the last of the plagues that came upon Egypt as God executed judgment on their, their, the gods and the idols of Egypt. And the instruction that was given Israel is for every house to take a lamb. It was to be roasted with fire, very specific way that it was to be prepared. And the blood of that lamb was to be placed on the doorpost of their homes. When the angel of death saw the, the uh, blood on the doorpost and the lentils, then that house was spared. But every house that didn't have the blood, the death of their firstborn would occur. And this place from Pharaoh, Pharaoh's house to the least in the land of Egypt. Now, says in Psalm 105, I believe it is, God brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one female among them. In other words, there was healing that was attached to Passover, the first Passover. And they were instructed to eat that roasted lamb of the journey. And this word feeble is interesting because it means the shuffling of feet. So it's telling us that God brought them out of Egypt with silver and gold. You remember how they went and King James says they borrowed stuff of their neighbors actually they asked for payment for being slaves the Egyptians so he brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among them he strengthened them and there, there were several millions of people that he brought out of Egypt. and of the several millions of people There'd be a, a large number that were old. And God healed them in such a way to give them strength to walk through the wilderness. They departed through the Red Sea from Pharaoh and his, his boundaries, his dominion. So God provided for them the Passover, therefore, provides for them that when we make a commitment, we today, Israel in their day, as they made the commitment that was signified by the blood on the doorpost and the lentils, that he came for their physical bodies, and material possessions was, uh, was included in the blessing 
given to them. So here's Jesus, Passover, who is sacrificed for us. Now, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 15 real quick. Israel has just come through the Red Sea. Deliverance was provided for them. And when Pharaoh sent his chariots into the Red Sea to pursue the Israelites, his armies, his chariots and, and horsemen and so were destroyed in the coming back together of the Red Sea. So Moses brought Israel, Exodus 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they were three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, who were bitter. The language is a little difficult, difficult here. We don't know if this is saying that it was just water that tasted bad, or if it was saying the water was poisonous. I'm inclined to think the water was poisoned, or poisonous, but it's for everybody to determine for themselves. 24, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? The folks, just three days before, they destroyed or watched the destruction greatest military force on the face of the earth. Israel didn't even have to pick up a rock and throw it at anybody. So the people are murmuring against Moses, getting their heads startled, I guess. The people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought unto the, upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, when he calls himself the Lord that healeth thee, there's a possibility, and again, it's not 100% sure, but a word is used here that's a continuous sense of the word. I am the Lord that healeth thee means for them I'm the one that healed you and silver and gold in your hand and not one feeble on them. That was my doing. So he's not just talking about I'm the one that healed the waters of Mara. He's saying I'm the one that healed the millions of Israelites for their journey to be had. 700 years goes by and the children of Israel finally take possession of the promised land and they begin to by kings 
Most of the kings that ruled over Israel were wicked, but there were a couple of good ones, and one of the good ones was Zedekiah. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us of when Hezekiah was made king of Israel, or really, he was the king of Judah. The 12 tribes of Israel have split into two parties. So Hezekiah, the king of Judah, Judah asked for the laws of, of Moses to be brought to him, and it contains some historical work and the examples that we still have in our Old Testament. And he came upon the institution of Passover. Now at that point in time, Israel and Judah have been operating, worshiping idols, and pretty much forgetting about God ever having made promises to them. God was not a part of the daily life of any of the Israelites at that point in time. But Hezekiah begins to listen to his servants reading the, the law of Moses and the rest of the, the Passover causes him to realize that a celebration that he's never even heard the name of. They'd never even heard of the name of the Passover, much less keeping it. But he sees the benefit that was proclaimed for Israel. And so he starts the ball rolling for them to reinstitute the Passover sacrifice. It's too late in the year to be able to have it when God directed for it to be done. But he just came in God's mercy and put everything together as much as he, as he could. And so they had the Passover. It was a, a short ceremony because as I said they weren't prepared for it and the people didn't know anything about how to keep the Passover the first time in any of their lives it was performed now there was something about Hezekiah keeping it that we have to consider one of the things he did was he called Israel or Judah tribes that he was king over. He instructs them very briefly on how this Passover is to be kept. So they did the best that they could, but Hezekiah knew that they weren't doing it right they weren't doing it at the right time. They weren't doing it in the full measure of what God had instructed for them to do. 
and Hezekiah prayed for the people. He prayed, if you read his prayer, there's a lot about him asking God to pardon the people for not doing this right because they didn't know how to do it right. And it, the scriptures tell us, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, and the Lord hearkened to and healed the people. Now there was something about the law of Moses, the historical account became the basis for our Old Testament. There's something about what Hezekiah read or had read to him him to expect the healing mercy or the healing power of God to restore the people. So when we look back at things like Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, where God identifies himself as I am the God that healeth thee. There was something about that, that when it was read to Hezekiah, he took hold of the reality that God is the healer. There are seven redemptive names that God gave to himself throughout the history of Israel. This is the first one and at this point in time, other than Moses telling the people, we don't know that he did, but I'm sure it's a possibility that he did identify God told him that he is the God I am, that I am. That's when God spoke to Moses through the burning. So they made known him as I am. But if they didn't, then the only name that they know God of up to this point is where God identifies himself as I am the God that he thee. So there's something about the historical record that caused Hezekiah to expect God the God that he thee. I think since we have the same Bible, Old Testament for us, historical record at that time, something contained in the scriptures that Hezekiah was able to take hold of and get results for in the healing of physical bodies. As I said, 1 Corinthians chapter verse 7 identifies that Christ is our Passover and he was sacrificed for us. That means that just as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is identifying that all of Israel ate of the manna, the light bread, that Israel came to hate and they all drank from the spiritual rock. That, that refers to the time when God told Moses to strike the rock and enough water came rushing out of the rock 
to make a, a, a lake that would supply the water needs for millions and to take care of their animals too, their herds and whatever other animals they pushed with them on their way to the promised land. And the Lord hearkened and healed the people. That brings us to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul says, For I have received that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he up, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, folks, if God hasn't changed, and he never changes, if God hasn't changed, then the benefits of the Passover meal that he instituted himself, then those benefits would have to be the same ones, wouldn't they? Who had the authority to change them? No matter what we might hear preached or taught, God's the only one that has the, the right to change the benefits of the Passover meal. But since God never changes, then the possibility of him changing the benefit is non-existent. There's neither of turning with God I like how the Bible says it, how God said it of himself. I am God, I change not. Now, if somebody wants to argue with that, feel free. But if that verse is not true, then nothing that we preach about God is true. Because if God can change and is an agent of change, for the Passover sacrifice or benefits, then he would be an agent of change where salvation is concerned too. But he doesn't change, thank God. And so the benefits of the Passover meal are the same today as they were when God first instituted it with the children of Israel out of Egypt. Paul is writing to the Corinthians saying that there is no ritual schedule anymore concerning the Passover. He said, as often as you drink it, this is in remembrance of him. So the benefits of the Passover meal he brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble among them. The benefits of material well-being, material prosperity, and the benefit of healing the sick can be brought to bear 
whenever we do so, rather than following some kind of holiday schedule. God can't take a different position on healing the people, healing his people, because he doesn't change as we just do. So we can put a demand on well-being and healing for the body whenever we choose. We don't have to wait for a certain date on the calendar. We can choose to put it in remembrance of the shedding of his blood and the breaking of, the, of, of his body through the stripes that were laid on him. We have an ever-present help that doesn't include or the calendar. And the more we teach on it, the more we make clear the things that are available to us, then the more results we get concerning material prosperity, material abundance, and healing for the physical body. Paul goes on to say to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 26, he says, for as often as you eat this bread and up, we do show the Lord's death till he comes. Well, can we show the Lord's death any greater way? Remind us of the elements that Jesus said were his body and his blood. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, that means in an unworthy manner. It doesn't mean unworthy by sin or unrighteousness. Because the blood of Jesus makes us from sin and unrighteousness. Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup unworthily without an understanding, proper understanding of what God has done by sacrificing Jesus for us once and for all, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly, or partaking of the Lord's Supper in a manner, Again, we're not talking about what a person thinks or believes in their heart. This of God is made unto everyone that gives their heart to Jesus. We're not talking about somebody that's trying to scam the game here some way or another or get away with something that's wrong, but mostly through lack of understanding they don't know what benefits belong to them and notice the ill health that's specifically mentioned 
that can and should be overcome by simply gaining a right knowledge of what the Passover will do. Folks, if Hezekiah and the people of Judah could, without ever having heard of the Passover in their lifetime, if they could do it in the wrong way, not because they were trying to get away with something, but because they didn't have time to, to do the things that were required to be done, if they still got results and God didn't hold it against them, what kind of results should we expect for his children to have today? God's not waiting in heaven trying to catch us doing something wrong. He saw the heart of Hezekiah and the people. And he honored what they asked him to do, even though they were doing it in the wrong way. How much more would he do good and bestow his benefits on those who had made Jesus the Lord of their lives and had become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? I look forward to communion more now than ever. Because of the benefits that pertain to us as children of God. Because God knew that we would always need his help and his healing mercy. So I'll call the ushers up and we'll serve you.
I want to go through this again just real briefly to make sure we're on the right page. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. We're doing a good thing then, right? Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, again, that means in an unworthy manner, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. We're examining ourselves to make sure that we are participating or put ourselves in line for the benefits that God intended for Jesus' sacrifice to be ours. So let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So we want to make sure we understand the sacrifice of the Lord's body here. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and participate in this Lord's Supper, this communion, which means we're all in the same blood into the same body of Jesus himself. We recognize that he took stripes on his back. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We recognize that his body was broken for us so that healing and the healing power of God would rule and reign in our bodies. The Father, in Jesus' name, we take this cup, this bread. We give you thanks for it. And we declare in the name of Jesus, our Savior, that every person that takes this bread, we take it even as the healing power of God to restore us to divine health. Let's receive the bread. Just as the body of Jesus was broken for us, so does his blood, which was poured out in the heavenly holy of holies after the resurrection. That blood made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we take this cup. It provides for us redemption from sin, the original sin and personal sins. It provides for us a payment of ransom for each and every one of us. Father, that we are walking in love which is the law, law of the new covenant. As we walk in love, 
discerning the Lord's body. We thank you, Father, for the blessing of Abraham that belongs to us and comes into our possession in fullest measure by the precious blood of Jesus. Let's receive the cup. Say this after me. I am made righteous by the blood of Jesus. I am healed in every way in my body by this communion element and the ransom of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, as the healed of God, and the righteousness of God. Let's go live our lives enjoying the benefits that Jesus purchased for us. Amen. God bless you folks. Have a great day.